Join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Prices are low. It'll blow your mind. Boom! PK really has a lot of varieties of boom. I don't tend to. Like the boom? I grew up at a football stadium that had a cannon in it. Okay. Boom! Fortunately, we were at the other end of the stadium from the cannon, so didn't scare me that much as a little kid. I did get caught off guard once at a Ute game. <laughs> Forgot the cannon was over my shoulder. Big old flinch right there. So last year, obviously, BYU allowed media to go to, these, go to their games. I was covering a fair amount of them. Mm-hmm. They have that cannon that sits down in that southeast yeah. corner. It's an empty stadium. That boom reverberates a little more than typically does. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. It's it it a bit of a weird deal. I don't, I don't go to nearly as many college football games as I used to. There was that stretch. Because I'm anchoring on Saturdays, I'm in studio. So I very rarely, sometimes if there's a real early start, Saturday at noon, I would go to a game, but there aren't many of those. And there's none of them now. Uh, but there have been a few I've been at. And I used to go to all the Thursday night games, but the NFL took over Thursday night games. So now they play Friday night games, and I'm anchoring all the high school highlights again. So uh, not, I'm not at as many games to get scared by those cannons. I, for whatever reason, I never really stood in that one corner LFL Edwards Stadium. Mostly stay on the same side as the TV cameras. Because if you intercut between the TV cameras and the, the ENG, electronic news gathering cameras, then you need to be on the same side of the field. And it throws people if they're going the other way. Like, what quarter was that? What that? That's confusing. It's it's amazing. All right, will the Jazz find amazing in the draft tonight? Six o'clock draft gets underway. ABC and ESPN. Second round is ESPN only, but the first is on both. Who should the Jazz pick? They're drafting thirtieth. The mock drafts are out. Rarely have I been this not interested in the first round. Combination of the Jazz being good, the Jazz drafting late, thinking there's a very good chance the Jazz end up trading the pick. I'm, I'm really intrigued if they do trade the pick, which I think is the most likely outcome. My question is, what will they end up trading it for? I think they've looked at multiple scenarios here. Do you trade it to move a salary? Do you trade it to acquire a veteran? Do you trade it to trade out of this draft and pick up a draft and pick up a pick and a draft that's two or three years away. Begin stockpiling picks in case you have a rebuild four years, three, four, five years down the line. So all of that catches my attention and holds my attention better than the guys who are in this pick, in this draft, and who they might pick. I do think, though, if they have found somebody they really, really like, and they're really locked in on it, and if they have, the word I'll go for, the word of the morning, Yach, if they have conviction, if everybody in the room is like, are you kidding me? This guy's going to be great. Now, maybe the rest of the basketball world doesn't think, this guy's going to be great. But if you think he is, they had that kind of conviction with Mitchell, and they had it with Gobert. They were super hyped for both of those players. And it turned out they were right. And it turned out they were on the cutting edge because if other NBA teams knew then what they know now, 
They would have cut in front of the Jazz and gotten those guys. Or they were in front, they would have just taken them. But even if they didn't have a pick right in front of it, they would have gone out and done whatever it took to get one of those picks. And if the Jazz have that going this year, and you don't have that going very often. Very rarely do clubs have that kind of definitive, overwhelming conviction that someone's in there telling, if anyone says a word, you're fired! (laughs) Which, by the way, I believe that happened. Oh, yeah. And I'm fine with it. Well, there have been some people who've tried to downplay that. I I was joking. No. No. And judging by how good he's turned out to be, you shouldn't have been joking. You were dead on. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with it. Whatever. And if they've got that this year, if they've been in there and... uh, and Jay-Z's in there telling people, breathe a word and you're fired. Because they've got that kind of conviction, then to the trade scenarios. And what, I just flew three of them? So to all of them. If you got that kind of conviction, go for the guy. You got a good enough track record, we're all in. It goes a little against the grain of where they are as a team and their uh, roster development and all that. But if he's going to be that good, get him. The names that are getting thrown out there in the mock drafts are all over the board, as you would expect at 30. And this is impossible because the mock drafts, and we talked about this with Chad Ford, and we replayed it this morning. It was on yesterday, and we replayed it early this morning. If you haven't heard it, go to 1280thezone.com, and Chad gets into this a little bit. It's not just the Jazz who are looking to trade, and it's one of the reasons I think it's going to happen. There are a lot of teams looking to trade in. There are a lot of teams looking to trade out. So it's... Very likely that there will be a deal there if they want it. So putting these mock drafts together, and Chad Ford's one of the guys who does it, by the time you get to 30, even if the Jazz hold a pick and you know, they've got this conviction and they want to get whoever it is, what's happening in those picks in front of them? Who's trading in and who's trading out? So when you don't really know which team's going to have a pick, and when people are saying, oh, there's going to be... Five, eight, ten, and there's all kinds of wild numbers and predictions out there about how many draft trades are going to be. There's no way known who's going to be on the board. And one thing that could happen is the Jazz can move up because they got some conviction for some guy, and you know, the price to move from 30 to 25 may not be that high. Now, the Jazz have already traded away one of their future second round picks. Well, they don't have a second round pick tonight for start. So they're kind of Indiana limited in what they can move. Pick. But there are ways that some of those picks can have been bought well, and they, sold. Yeah, they, so, they, they bought back in, was it once or right. twice last year? Yeah, so you, you can. Yeah. Well, remember when, um, when they had the three picks and the last ten picks in the draft right yeah. at the end? When they got Mieoni? Correct, yeah. So you can, you can get back in. You can quick. get back in if you have to. You know, it may take multiple moves. You can do it. So here's some of the names. Here's some of the people. Sports Illustrated says Jaden Springer. Guard, Tennessee. Just played the one year. He's 6'4", so he's got a little size on the guard line. You gotta like that. Jazz are reportedly looking to move off salary. Yeah, everybody's onto that. That's not a big secret. And could attach this pick to an unwanted contract in a trade that could further that pursuit. Springer is another tough player to find a spot for right now, but he has interest all over the first round. His range begins in the late teens. He's a favorite of analytically driven front offices, and the fact he's still 18 and viewed as more of a long-term prospect will make him more appealing in some places than others. Long-term prospect makes him a little less appealing here in my eyes. Not every playoff-bound team will rush to select a teenager, but 
Springer does have real upside and could be a trade target for teams if he begins to slip into the 20s. He battled injuries during a productive freshman year and projects as a solid defender with an orthodox but effective floor game. He's still one of the more divisive players in the class. His scouts remain split on where his upside lies. If that doesn't do it for you, and I got to admit, I'm a little lukewarm. CBS's mock draft has Joe Weiskamp. Weiskamp tested well at the Combine athletically, and he's a 6'7 junior. He's coming off a career year at Iowa in which he made nearly half of his 158 three point attempts, shot 46. 0.2% 0.2% from the three-point line. Averaged about 15 points, six and a half rebounds a game. With his shooting ability, it would be silly to let him slip out of the first round. Silly isn't a word you see in a lot of mock drafts. Don't be silly. We talk to four-year-olds here? Don't be silly. New York Post says the Jazz at 30 will draft Greg Brown the third, a forward from Texas. 6-9. Brown has the tools to contribute defensively as the mobile big man the Jazz lack. If the jump shot develops, Utah could have a steal with a one-time projected lottery pick. This is where you got to have conviction and see what other people don't see. Because other people have looked at him, he's a lottery pick. And then they looked at him again, and they looked at him again, like, he's not really a lottery pick. He's more of a mid-first-round guy. And they looked at him again. You know, he's more of a late first-round guy. But there have been plenty of late-round first-round picks. Who've, that would have been better if I'd said late first-round picks. That was bonus use of the word round right there. Late first-round picks turned out to be good players. So it comes down to conviction. That is the word of the draft. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Well, we can keep going through mock drafts, but you get the idea. Literally, every time you click on a mock draft, it's a different guy. we got Ben Anderson coming up at 9 o'clock. He writes for kslsports.com. He's got his dirty dozen, the 12 guys the Jazz are looking at. And you got to have that wide a net. Because who knows who's getting picked in front of you, and who knows who's doing the selecting in front of you, who's drafting. I mean, you can look at the draft order now, but that doesn't mean it's going to hold up at the time. And the NBA has this weird thing they do. And I don't understand why they do it, because the NBA does a lot of PR stuff, right? But when everybody and their dog, when the German Shepherd, when Rover knows the trade is coming, why do they bring people up there and put the caps on them and do the interviews? How do you think you're going to fit in in Denver? You're being traded to Utah. It's the weirdest thing. Right? And everybody knows it's coming. Isn't there a workaround? Because both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, their draft night photos. There's no way. Are them wearing- a league that figured out how to put the bubble together. Yeah. How to test everybody, keep them secure at Disney World, play regular season games, All I and can- play four rounds of the playoffs. Can't figure out how to get the right cap on the dude's head. All I can assume is because the trade isn't finalized via the official channels, the, the, the bylaws, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yach just hurried that up because he just saw my eyes spin back into the top of my head. It's true, though, but it's, it's weird that Rudy Gobert's draft night photo is him in a Denver Nuggets cap. Same thing with Donovan Mitchell. So... Are they making, and this is a separate discussion, and we got like two or three minutes here, and I can talk about this with Bowler a little bit maybe. So at some point, are they making so much money that they just don't care anymore? 
that they don't want to do the most efficient thing and what is best for the game in the long run. You would think a draft night photo of Rudy in a jazz cap would be helpful. Now, admittedly, it's a detail, right? If Rudy blocks the Mavericks shot at the buzzer and 18,306 are on their feet screaming, that's the most important thing. I get it. I agree. We don't have to argue about that. But people are about the stories. People love the stories. And the storytelling is just being stopped on numerous levels. Nothing matters but winning. If we win, the building will be full. That's true. If you win, the building will be full. I have rooted for the San Diego Padres since I was in elementary school. They haven't been very good very often. And when they are good, the building is full. (laughs) And when they're not, "Mm." But if you're trying to get that extra 5 or 10%, and what owner doesn't want 5 or 10% more money? Owners have variations on this line. Keep making it, because I'm spending it. Spending's only going one way. You got to keep figuring it out. And to walk away from 5 or 10% of the money, because you don't tell the stories anymore, it just seems crazy to me. And we started to see players even complain about it. Andre Iguodala, why is everything got to be a tweet? What happened? To, now, Andre's a veteran, right? So by NBA standards, he's Clint Eastwood, grumpy old man, right? Get the Clint Eastwood gift, right? Get off I get, my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> and I get that. But I think he's right. He's like, he knows early on that he could have side conversations and explain stuff. And he could shape people's perceptions, which in turn is going to shape their stories. Here's what's going to be really important in this game. Watch for this. As opposed to getting some wild analysis and creating some storyline that turns divisive and is a huge distraction. But everybody seems to be going away from that. And it's not just a, a jazz thing or at the college level, a Utah or BYU thing. Everyone's super busy. Everyone's super detail-oriented. Everyone's going to watch that film one more time. Okay. But the story's not getting told, and casual fans are kind of drifting away. Now, I think casual fans are drifting away because there's never been more video available. There's never been more live sports available. There have never been more sitcoms, more reality shows available. More drama is available. So that, that is part, that is a big part of the reason that all these ratings are getting fractured and casual fans are drifting away. I mean, no better example than the Olympics right now. I don't think we're going to have time for it today. Maybe we'll have time for it tomorrow or next week or whatever. Maybe it's one of those topics we'll never hit, but I put it up on our Facebook page, on my Facebook page, uh, DJ and PK. You can put it up on DJ and PK's. I, I'm on David DJ James. That's where it's up but it's not on DJ and PK because, yuck, for whatever reason, I've lost access to that. I used to be able to post. I can't anymore. I was having issues this morning, so I'm wondering if it was just an overnight deal. It's up. No, it's, the... it's like this was a problem a month ago. Well, you still can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. I know what's going on. Hmm, let's investigate. Yeah. Anyway, what Olympic sports are you watching? Because they just say, the Olympic ratings are down. Well, of course they are. you got the Olympics on five channels. I can't watch them all. It's cool that now over on NBC Sports Network, I can see what I want to see. I, I tend to gravitate more towards the team sports. I don't know why that is, but I do. I mean, it's not that I don't watch any individual sports, 
I'll, I'll watch them swimming, and I'll watch them track and field. But mostly, I'll, I want to watch baseball or basketball. For reasons going back to my youth, I like to watch water polo. I know that makes me odd. I'm totally in on the volleyball. It's California in me. I can't help it. I probably like the indoor game a little more than the beach game. But I, I tend to go towards those. Ratings for gymnastics were down. Yeah, well, I was over here watching basketball, so I don't know what to tell you. So we got a what are you watching? And you know what we found out about our, uh, my wife was asking me this, why don't you talk about the Olympics in the morning? I said, because they're on multiple networks and the people who really care are watching them. Yeah, currently on NBC Sports Network, I'm watching two uh, Chinese table tennis players do battle. And it's again, individual sport. Can't really watch it. I haven't watched any. Really? Doesn't do anything for me. Table tennis at an elite level is pretty fascinating. <laughs> it's hypnotic. It it's is. not fascinating. I think it's it hypnotic. I'll give you that. But we were talking about earlier in the break, like team handball event. Like, that's not a thing. Hey, that team we, handball but we looks like. We don't watch it in the United States. No, we don't. It looks like a combination of basketball and soccer. And I'm sure there's probably, you know, a little bit of hockey in there too. I grew up in the Sun Belt. I'm not as big a hockey guy. Sorry. It might not as big. I mean, I've been to one NHL game in my life. Used to go to minor league hockey as a kid, though. Had an aunt who totally loved it. She always took us. It was crazy. It was a total outlier for her. She wasn't a huge sports fan, but she loved hockey. Go figure. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up next, NBA draft. Craig Bowlerjack on draft day. I don't know. I've not had this conversation uh, with Bowler in depth, but I suspect he's going to be trade-out guy. But we'll see. We'll find out together. Next, Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock. He's got his dirty dozen prospects. We'll run through them. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at this as a golden opportunity to really not necessarily reinvent itself, but to come in with a position of power and say, look, we're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to make this thing better. We're going to reach into the Midwest and we're going to expand. I firmly believe that the Pac-12 needs to position itself and be proactive in terms of we're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger and we are going to eliminate the Big 12. Add four teams out of the Big 12 right now. Look, everybody is out for their financial best interest. Forget about rivalries. Forget about loyalty. That's all out the window. Everybody is out for themselves. Everybody's in survival mode. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Updates from Tokyo brought to you by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in Craig Bowler Jack. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ. A little ZZ top for you, Bowler. I appreciate that. It was tough to hear the news yesterday. Um the the one of the two bearded ones have passed away, Dusty Hill. Yep. Wow. Seventy two wow. years old. Yeah, boy, I'd say those guys together a long time. Wonder if that's the end of ZZ Top or if they just find uh well, hard to replace what was. True story. Bowlers join us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. July is considered Smart Irrigation Month to celebrate. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is giving away free smart controllers to commercial properties until the end of July. Hosting costs not included. Visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333 for more information. All right, Bowler, NBA draft tonight. 
You got a player you think the Jazz are going to draft, or you think they're going to trade the pick? Trade up, trade down, trade well, back a couple years, or I, attach it to a veteran, create some cap room. And we say attach it to a veteran, nobody wants to say Derek Favors because he's literally he one of the all, nicest guys to walk through a Jazz locker room. But you know what? It's a cold-hearted business, and he makes a lot of money, and they need a lot of money to sign Mike Conley. They do. They do. All, all that you just said is all possibilities tonight. I mean, you know, this is, again, one of those guessing games every year that we go through. And, you know, you, you just make a point about the cash needed. Uh, you know, if you're a, a number one pick, whether you're one through 30, there's guaranteed money that's, that's available. Obviously, a number one pick is making multiple uh, millions of dollars, just, you know, despite – uh, or compared to the 30th pick, so but it's still it's it's money the Jazz would have to to dictate and and hand out, um, and that's less money for Mike Conley. You know what I wanted to talk to you about is what is the going rate for a free agent of Mike Conley's worth? That's that's the one thing I just can't put a finger on, and the and the number of years that would go with it as well. Look. It's a great combination in the backcourt. We saw that when healthy. But I, I think, again, though, that you have to consider age, health, and all the above. Analytics would come into it as well, but also your gut on where the Jazz go with Mike. Now, saying that, uh, they also have needs, DJ, as you know, for a backup point guard that would give them stability and not much of a drop-off if Mike would have issues. Well, so, okay. you Listen, Bowler. Bowler, you don't so get to sit on Santa Claus's lap until after Thanksgiving, okay? <laughs> I mean, I everything you said makes sense, and I get why Jazz fans would wish for it all. But, easy, okay, if Conley does down, the Jazz needs someone at a veteran minimum who can play at the same level. Well, well you could, you could That's not use, happening. You could use the mid-level if you don't. If the Conley situation, yeah, I know. It's it's, I and I don't think at thirty you find a guy, who, whatever name you want to throw out there, in this draft that is going to be an impact guy. Now, do you trade up and do you have your eye on a on, on a player that you feel like can good that can get rotation minutes? You know, that's something Justin Zanuck uh, obviously knows by this point in time. Um, I'm going to guess no. I wish. And, yeah, and I, I don't. I don't know it. I can't report it. I don't. But uh, trying to read the tea leaves and talk to people and read everything that's out there, to me, they're going to trade out. That would be my first prediction. What is most likely? First off, I don't think they a hundred percent know what they're going to do because the phone can ring. You talked to someone a week ago and they weren't really interested. But they now think it's their best thing, and they circle back to it. That oh, has yeah. happened pressure, before. Pressure, the pressure of the moment, right, makes makes all the all the Cre- difference. Yeah. And you're and right. And also, everybody's doing their own private auction. So they were just they told you no, trying to get you to come back to them with a sweeter offer, and you moved on to the next thing. Well, they're playing the same game with six other teams, and now they're like, "Hey, that thing the Jazz talked to us about—that's our best bet. Let's call them yeah. and do it." Well, the Jazz until the phone rings, you don't know that team. Z or W or whatever is going to call you back. So they don't know for sure what's going to happen when the phone rings in the next, what have they got, ballpark? 11, 12 hours? 
Yeah. Yeah. What? Twelve. Six, six, probably. Six thirty. Yeah. Twelve. It's twelve-ish uh, hours till he picked. Yeah, twelve-ish, ten-ish, nine-ish. Yeah. Well, eleven. <laughs> you yeah, just, you're just picking clock. random. You sound like PK picking random numbers. It's yeah. it's more than nine. Boy. Yeah, it's more than nine. <laughs> it's more than uh, nine. But you make a point though. It's it's um it, it's 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 a game that is played by all thirty general managers. And when the clock gets closer to the to the hour where the decision has to be made, then you go and, and you make decisions that are going to impact your franchise. So. Uh, this is Justin Zanuck's first true test. This is also Ryan Smith's first true uh, test as an owner. Excuse me, as an owner with Dwayne Wade, and I'm anxious to see some of the philosophies. I mean, the Miller organization, uh, you know, obviously ran things a little different. And you know, you and I have talked before about, you know, there were times that we kind of could really better predictors of what the jazz would do. Dennis always made it clear. And so did Kevin O'Connor. And even back in the day of Scotty Layden, where they, you know, they, they look, they knew they had a job to do, but they also had parameters. And so they stayed within those, those, those parameters to protect the Millers. But also the Millers always said, look, if we're, if if it's going to help our team and we're going to move closer to a championship, then, let's discuss what the money situation would be jumping into a luxury tax situation. So uh, one thing that always echoes in my mind is what, you know, Ryan said early after taking the basketball, you remember that momentous moment where Gail passed uh, the stewardship, as she said to, to Ryan and his family and wants to win. Now Uh, there are a lot of great pieces I think we ought to talk about too, DJ, in this jazz on this jazz roster that many people in the NBA believe still, if you play it back or play it forward, however you want to say it, and you continue on the way with other issues in the NBA, especially in the West with other teams, the Jazz still are setting in a pretty good spot. I believe that. I, I believe that's true. The roster is pretty good. The team is pretty good. Jamal Murray, how long is it going to take him to come back? What in, in playing part of a season didn't work for Jordan, right? right. So right. is it going to work for Murray? Ditto for the Clippers at Kawhi Leonard. Are right. the Lakers going to be healthy? Everyone can guess. Nobody knows. They've got two guys, Does either Portland, one of whom. Portland blow it up. Does it Dane doesn't matter. Hurt? Portland isn't. The Jazz are better than Portland. I'm not worried about agreed, that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But what it does, it still gives you that instability for many teams around the West. It should give the Jazz and fans who do, look. You, you know, when you lose the four straight and you and you're out in the second round, you, you okay? You could say, "Wait, we made progress. We got into round two after being knocked down in round one." But look, the other part of this equation, and this is probably the most important, is uh, convincing. Proving, not convincing, but proving to Donovan Mitchell the Jazz are actually moving forward to a title, even a stronger move, a dominant move. Mm. Uh, because, look, there's I, four years plus one on the contract, and that's that's going to play a big factor in the decision the Jazz made I, from here I, on out. I believe that, but I don't think it's so much about proving to anyone that they're moving towards the title, they're close enough now. I think the, the, the thing is, how do they actually get it? I mean, they went out in the second round this year. Well, the Bucks went out in the second round last year, and now yeah. they're holding the title. So if you make the right move, it's not about proving to somebody that you could do it one day. It's like, 
Why can't next year be the year they do it? Well, and now you could say sure. that about several teams, and I get that, and I believe that. But you can say it about the Jazz, too. Yeah, you know, look what a Drew Holiday was able to, right. to, to yes. impact. And that's, that's my point to Donovan, is that it's the piece that you need. And I'm sure there's a, a, a part of this where he's consulted um, what, what his thoughts of what the deepest or the most uh, obvious need is. And that's that's the point. Look, Middleton and Giannis grew together to help you know build the the, the foundation and the centerpiece of a, of it all. But yet, there's a couple of things that were done to push them over the top. And that's the point: is what are the Jazz? What does it take financially uh, to actually get that done? Um, is it a Mike Conley sign that puts them over the tax? And what what else can they do to actually? put a, another piece in place, whether that's a six, seven wing defender who can actually fly in to play some small ball when they're, because DJ, they're going to be faced with that multiple times yep. in the future. True. And so that's something again, that has to be talked about dissected. Rudy has to understand there may be nights or moments in a game where he's not on the floor to counter uh, a small ball type of attack. Now, I may be speaking and people may be going, how dare you? But you, the adjustments that I think we saw uh, that teams are making against the Jazz uh, will force them to make some decisions in that regard. I just don't know that anyone they're going to get at 30, and even if they're able to move up incrementally to 25th or 20th, is going to be the Jeru Holiday who puts them over the top. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. to the Agreed. degree you need the money and you need the roster spots, and and Locke brought this up, and I, I hate to compliment Locke because then you know <laughs> he just doubles down on you, you know, and it just gets yeah, to be overwhelming you know, at times. What he'll do is he'll play that back on you later. And say, but oh, yeah, right, right. but he was right when like, well, how do you find your Frank Kaminsky? Now no one is nominating Frank Kaminsky for a Hall of Fame or an All Star game, mm-hmm. but he's a veteran. There's a couple things he can do. Kevin O'Connor once um, said, you need one skill. Give me a guy who's got one skill at an elite level. Like Paul Millsap could rebound at an elite level. The rest of it, with experience and hard work and practice, he can get better at. But he can rebound at an elite level. So he could play right away. And then he got better, and now we see he's had this really good long career. So is there something you can do at an elite level? Frank Kaminsky could come in when the pressure was at the highest and the lights were the brightest and he got the Suns three hoops to try and keep them in the game. And no one expects that guy in that roster spot on that salary to be the guy who wins the game, but contribute, and he did. And the guy who was most dear in the headlights was DeAndre Ayton. Now, when their careers are said and done, DeAndre Ayton could be two or three times the player Frank Kaminsky ever was. But you need someone right now and Aiton, in his third year, was during the headlights in Game Six, and Kaminsky gave you something. Yeah, he gave yeah, you, you make something. A great point. Chris Paul tried to talk Aiton out of the during the headlights moment, right? And mm-hmm. it just didn't work out that way. Somebody asked me to look up thirtieth uh, picks taken in the yeah. NBA draft. Let me just throw you five names. Okay, that, and and one is Jimmy Butler. All right. Okay. Uh, that was, you know, Chicago, 2011. Uh, and there's, you know, multiple names here, but I'm just going to 
there's five that kind of David Lee, all right, uh, out of Florida. Remember that Knicks oh five. Bad teams, um, but he put up good numbers on him. He ended up with the Warriors yeah, later in his yeah, career. Yeah, and really, most of the times you're going to go to teams uh, that either pick up a pick or you get somebody who's already won or a Western Conference or Eastern Conference title, right? Because 30th picks usually belong to those types unless you pick them up in another way. Um, uh, I'm looking Howard Isley, who had a role with the Jazz. Uh, Minnesota okay, but, picked but him. But Howard Isley, nothing against Howard Isley, but... He took, it was 94. Now, by 98, his fourth year in the league, he could play. Do the Jazz want to get somebody who they invest four years in so he can become a role player? That, that's, the, that's really the point, right? I um, think the answer to that is no. No, I think the time is now. That's right. the word. I mean, now. I mean, you have players in the developmental system right now, remember, with uh, with what the stars are doing, and there's uh, some guys that are going to play next week uh, in the summer league uh, that we're going to get a heavy look at because they're going to they're going to put two teams on the floor, the blue and the white. Uh, getting back to the to other, I'm just throwing out names here, and they not Festus Ezeli. Yes, I just wanted to say Festus Ezeli. I'll, I'll be sure. honest. I was yeah. just, I'm sorry, that was 12 uh, year old me uh, taking over West, the show. Uh, Mark West. Who, who, who was a journeyman in the league. Uh, was, so, and Kenny Nat was a former Jazz uh, assistant. Um, Mark West, I already mentioned, and Nate McMillan. Those are just five names that jumped down. Sean Rooks is on there as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Finnis Dembo. Remember the Finnis yeah. Dembo craze from Wyoming? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Sadly. So Again, a fun name. You, you make a great point, though, DJ. Look, it may be a player down the road that can find some rotation minutes, but is it the guy, uh, the player you want and need at the moment? And right. that's what it's. That, and so, what you just said about trading out makes sense, unless the Jazz have their eye uh, on either a European or someone that hasn't been given a lot of, you know, press or uh, you know that the spotlight shines on that they know about and they feel good about it and they're scouting that they want to trade up for. Conviction is the word. Bullet. Conviction. Do they have the conviction they had when they drafted Gobert and they drafted Mitchell? They weren't, they didn't stumble on those guys. They knew when they drafted them, they thought they had something different, unusual, and special. Well, teams who finally find a way to the title, you know, they, they are, they do two things. They, they make smart draft decisions and they also are able to draw in the right pieces in free agency or trades uh, to make it make those pieces all fit together. It's a great point you just made because, look, Carl and John were mid-first-round picks that were bypassed by many teams and are Hall of Famers, uh, and the Jazz were able to take not one but two away from Denver. And both are now multiple All-Star appearances and a three-time Defensive Player of the Year and in my opinion, Donovan has yet hit his uh, hit his uh, hit, hit hit his peak, so to speak. I think the guy can get better. He can flirt with thirty a game, twenty nine, twenty eight, depending on free throws and obviously staying healthy. But I don't think we've seen still the consistency that's going to be coming from Donovan Mitchell. Well, that's probably more important than whatever decision they make. If Donovan actually finds another gear, when you think of all the gears he's already found, if he finds another one, it seems like 
are getting greedy, and that's a little too much to wish for. But, uh, hey, Milwaukee fans got greedy with Antetokounmpo, and he found another gear, and now they've got the championship they wished for. So Yeah, exactly. It it does happen. It's weird to sit here and say this player who's very good, if only they were greater. But when it happens, it's championship time. Well, but I think it's an honest and and true discussion to say that we, I I think that, and Donovan, if we were talking to him right now, he would say, look, yeah, his goal is to be better. I mean, you know, everyone's comparing him with Dwayne Wade and, you know, to, you know Donovan Mitchell 2.0 or D. Wade 2.0. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. But, look, Donovan still is an individual on his own. He's 6'1", not as, not as big as, as a D., D. Wade after the remeasure they did in the NBA. But the guy plays at a high level. I mean, the guy can jump out of the gym. Staying healthy is the most important thing, right? But he's still, David, look. DJ, he's he's a guy I don't think has reached his his limit yet in development. And most guys will tell you, ah, three years in, four years, you kind of know. But I, for Donovan, I'm not buying that. He's going into his fifth season, and I still think he has a lot a lot of room to improve. Uh, P- PK's got a little lot tired. Of me. That goes with that. PK's gotten tired of me saying this, but he's gone now, so I can say it one more time without getting yelled at. But Yach will back me up on this. Uh, the the reason I think Donovan has another gear. Everything you said, Bowler. But the reason I think is that he went for 39 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. He couldn't jump. He couldn't land. And everybody knew it, and the Clippers couldn't do anything about it anyway. Oh, yeah. So if he's actually healthy, and he can jump, and he can land pain-free, how good can he be? What's he going to do? And I and PK jumped me right away, and and there'd be some truth to it. Well, oh, so you think he's going to get? He, he should get fifty. I don't know if he should get fifty, but I I think he can and he will. And I don't know if I should put that on anyone, but Anto Kempo did, you know. So I I don't know what his ceiling is, but if you're if you're clearly hobbled the way he was, and you still go thirty nine and nine, I'm I'm wondering what you're capable of when you're healthy. Uh, it was easy to write the bubble off and say, oh, it's the bubble. There's no travel and there's no fans and the shooting background and you get in a groove unlike anything in the NBA. Okay, well, he was hurt, he was traveling, and there were fans, and he still did 39. So where, times, where's dude, it going? Jay, on your point, he made it look easy. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. I mean, did he have to work that hard at it? I mean, I, I when you at, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, at a kid. you go, wow, 39. Wow. And we've seen him drop 40, and he does it with an array of shots inside out. Uh, and again, the free throw, he understands that now with his driving ability is that he can go to the free throw line, and he's outstanding uh, at the stripes. So that's how guys go from 24, 23 to 29 to 28 or whatever it may be, or even flirting with 30. He could be a top five scorer in the NBA. Bowler, we're going to leave it right there. So you're thinking trade tonight is most likely? Um, I would, uh, just because of the things we outlined. The money they need to make Mike Conley happy, if that's the direction. That's really, I hate to say it's the cliche of cliches, but in the whole scheme of things, uh, when you start to talk to free agents next week and then being able to sign them later, and look, there's some talking that's already been, that's happening, you know, they in know. Uh, they a back channel yeah. way. Right, let's be honest, in some way, for every team in the league, they have to understand where they're going and the first, quote, domino that we like to say to fall uh, really focuses on the money that will be distributed to Mike Conley. If he decides, really, he has the decision 
what Dallas was interested, uh, I think, was one of the, the talks. You know, others, I'm sure, uh, find him intriguing. But, you know, the system is what it's about. And does Mike fit the system? We know what, what he does when healthy and how he plays alongside Donovan. So there's the answer. Uh, but you have to understand, uh, we, have, we have to understand what Ryan Smith will do, and we don't yet, when it, when it comes to spending. And I, we're going to start to find out here soon. Bowler, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. All right, DJ. Take care. Craig Bowler Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Coming up, stay with us. More with Ben Anderson, KSL.com. He's got his dirty dozen, 12 guys the Jazz might draft. We'll find out if he thinks they're actually going to draft. Or if that was a column and it was interesting, it was fun to read, but it's not how things are going to shake out. We'll get to that next. Well, in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend David Locke. Give us your overall gauge on the draft. What type of draft is this? For all the criticism of AAU, I actually think there's some value to like how these guys have faced elite-level talent since they've been 12 years old. And so I think these guys are more ready. So it does seem like at the bottom of the draft, there actually might be some rotation players. So with that in mind, what do you think the Jazz do at 30? If you look at the 30th pick as the best way to make us better sometime in the next two or three years, then I honestly think using the 30th pick in some manner that allows us to re-sign Mike Conley and have left tax pressure is probably the correct way to use the 30th pick rather than drafting it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJPK brought to you by, in part by Homie. Finally the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you'll save thousands. Homie, a better way to sell. So we got it out there. We've been talking draft all morning. We got it out there on Twitter. What should the Jazz do? The thrill says trade up. How far up could they possibly trade? How much can they move? And where do they think they can find an impact guy? I want impact. Jazz have a chance to win a championship in the next three to four years. Go for it. What can you do to build a championship roster this year? Go for it. I'm not about the future anymore. I've been about the future for a long time. I'm all about now, now. The thrill says trade up. This guy says trade it to New Orleans for Zion. Okay, this guy at SLC Bass, you're just wasting our time here. That's what you're doing. Trying to be funny? What are you doing? Ray says, find the guy that three years from now, if drafted again, would be in the top five. There's at least one in every draft. Find him! All caps, exclamation points. The sleeper. The best guy on the board. How often have the Jazz pulled that off in their history? When it was time to draft, they picked the best player left on the board. I haven't looked, but I think I can find five times they've done that in there. Which is like once every, what is that, once every eight years-ish? It's about 40 years. It's more than 40. It's like 43 or something, but I can't do the math on 43. Stockton was the best player on the board. Malone was the best player on the board. Rudy and Donovan. Those are the four easy ones. Can you think of the fifth one? With their first round pick, they got the best player on the board. 
And if you say Luther Wright, so help me, I'm coming through the radio and I'm finding you and I'm hunting you down. I'll say Luther Wright. I'm writing Padres and permanent marker on everything you own. All right, I'll tell you, fine. I should use it as a tease, but I'm not that mean. I should make you sit through a commercial break to find this out. The answer is Greg Ostertag. Look it up. There was nobody after Greg Ostertag who did what Greg Ostertag did. Stay in the league, start for a playoff team, well, start for a finals team, but even starting for playoff teams and in the league for that long, and I know his contract drove you nuts, and I know he was up and down, but even when he was up and down, he's the best player on the board. There's nobody else he should have drafted. And there may be somebody else out there. I may be forgetting another year where they, they picked somebody and they got it absolutely stone cold right. Now, if you include second round picks, then you can say Brian Russell, then you can say Paul Millsap, but we're talking first round picks right now. Kenneth says trade out of the first round. Kenneth, I think you're going to get your wish. Can't guarantee it, though. Draper Ute says, find this year's Azubuike and throw away another draft pick on a project center who will never play. There is considerable bitterness about that. Considerable. When we come back, he's got his dirty dozen. He's got 12 players who the Jazz could draft. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com, on the options in front of the Jazz if they keep that pick. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us.